Welcome back to the Maze Metcast, episode 15. I have a good show for you guys today. Mark Simon will be joining us of ESPN. And uh, we'll go over some Mets baseball, of course. Current status of the team. What's going right? What's going wrong? Well, finally, though, what's going right is this team picked up another win uh, last night against the Philadelphia Phillies, snapping what was an awful streak of four games to watch. I mean, every game was an excruciating loss over this that stretch of four. Three of the Marlins, one of the Phillies. Thankfully, that's over. Syndergaard goes tonight for the Mets, close out the series against Philadelphia. Uh, hopefully, we'll take two out of three here as they get ready to welcome in the Washington Nationals for the first head-to-head of the 2017 season for these two teams. But we'll get a little bit more into that Nationals-Mets series later on. We'll take a look at the pitching matchups and other things. But first, we'll take a quick little break here. And by quick, I mean quick. And then uh, we'll have Mark Simon on the other side taking a look at the New York Mets and what has gone right, what has gone wrong, and where they could be headed in the 2017 season. Do you enjoy the show and want to follow us on the web? Well, there just so happens to be numerous ways you can do so. You can find us on Twitter, at AmazingMetsCast, as well as on Facebook, and our own website, TheAmazingMetsCast.com. Follow us, rate us, subscribe to us, download us, stream us, love us. Thank you. Welcome back to The Amazing MetsCast. We have with us our special guest of the week, Mark Simon of ESPN, joins us. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Let's, uh, let's talk some Mets. All right, man. So after week two, you guys had the Mets ranked pretty high in the power rankings. They moved from, uh, I believe, 11 down to four right after that uh, nice power shown in the Philly series. And even though a little bit of struggling in the Marlins series, uh, but it has been a rough past few days for the Mets. What has been your most glaring issue with this team so far down this tough stretch? Uh, I think the most glaring issue is the uh, the wear and tear that is being put on this bullpen, yep. which will be alleviated uh, when Familia comes back to an extent. But I still think they're going to need more arms over the course of the season. You can't ask for as many guys as they were trying to get to be perfect in that Phillies game, uh, the two the loss uh, last night. Uh, you can't ask for that many guys to be perfect at the same time as frequently as they're having to do it. And I, I just think they have to improve their bullpen depth a little bit. And not even just like with the bullpen itself, how they've been performing. What has been your thoughts of how Collins has handled this bullpen early on? Mm, well, he, he's, he's overusing Stolas. That's not, that, that's not necessarily that unusual or that much of a surprise for him. Uh, I think that will be alleviated. Uh, I mean, in a situation like the one with Wheeler, uh, he didn't really have a choice because Wheeler threw 100 pitches in five innings, so he had to bring guys in. And he doesn't, like, his options are there. He, he doesn't have he, he doesn't have seven great options, and I guess the, the teams that are at a championship level tend to have six or seven great options. He has some good options, but there are some guys that, I mean, you can only ask so much out of, Salas and Robles and uh, Smoker. Uh, they're not going to be uh, perfect every single day. And I, I like the idea of trying out uh, some, some new arms. Like I like the idea of bringing up Seawald for mm-hmm. a couple of games and seeing what he's got. Uh, he's going to nervous uh, his first time up. But I, I think they're going to have to figure that out and fix that uh, 
for them to make things right uh, in the division this year. Yeah, no doubt getting Familia back this Thursday is going to be huge for this team. They need him bad at this point. I uh, had some <clears throat> work out in Binghamton the other day, and I believe he's not going to throw anymore until he comes back up to the Mets on uh, Thursday. Um, so, I mean, yeah, going forward, obviously the bullpen's been a big issue. Uh, another big talking of subject here right now has been Jose Reyes and how long of a leash he's going to get at this point. Uh, obviously, Reyes had another big gaffe in uh, Monday, Monday night game and Tuesday night's game, sorry. And, you know, here we are again. Reyes continues to struggle with the bat. He did have a double. But, you know, where do you see the Mets going with Reyes at this point? Uh, I don't I don't know that he's got a long leash because he's not being paid that much. And teams are always much more willing to let go of guys uh, when they're not being paid that much. Uh, so I think – I don't think they want to call up Rosario this quickly. So I think you're going to see this play out for at least six weeks to two months uh, where they're going to give him every chance to try and be good. You'll see Flores probably poked in there a few times. Uh, but there's always something. Like every year you think, oh, you can count on this, 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 and this. There's always something that goes awry. He looks like the thing that's going awry this year between all the, the stuff that's going on uh, off the field. Mm-hmm. You would hope that he fixes it, um, but he's also getting up there in years, and I think he's certainly someone who's put a lot of wear and tear on his body with the way that he's played, uh, often for good. Um, and I would be, I mean, it's not going to be David Wright that's going to fix this. It's going to be, it's going to have to be something else. And, I mean, obviously we have Flores, who absolutely demolishes left-handed pitchers and struggles yep. mightily against right-handed pitchers. I mean, do you really think he could be more of a solution for the rest of the year going forward as this team really wants to keep Rosario on the, you know, in the minors for at least this season, I would think? I think they'll try every solution they have within the roster before they bring up Rosario. And I think that means Flores probably gets a look uh, at some point. And you have to not only put up with the... Uh, bad at bats against right-handers. The thing that has scared me the last couple of the last six or seven games, when watching him at third base, is his throws are all over the place sometimes. Yeah. Like he has a good arm, he throws hard, but he can throw wild too. And you've you've seen and dude has bailed him out a couple of times where he'll make the play and then have to tag the runner kind of awkwardly, even on a routine play. So he he makes me nervous on a couple of fronts in terms of being a full time long term solution. Sure. And, yeah, I mean, kind of switching gears a little bit, you look at Jay Bruce, who on the opposite hand has had a really hot start to his season uh, out in right field. And, you know, we have the constant back and forth where where's Conforto going to play? you got to get him in there at this point. At, with Jay Bruce having the type of start he has had, maybe his trade value is creeping a little bit up this early on. Do you see the Mets possibly flipping him early, or do you think they might just look to play it out considering how good he has been playing? So when I worked on baseball tonight, it would always come up um, – the idea of trying to make a trade in April or May. And Peter Gammons, when he was with us, would always say the same thing. Nobody makes trades in April or May. Everyone wants to see what they've got. So I don't think Jay Bruce is going anywhere quickly. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if he goes somewhere eventually. But to me, it's something like that's a closer to the deadline kind of thing. Unless, I guess the exception to that would be if there was a team that really had a need for a left-handed power bat that happened to have a third baseman or a, or a excellent spare arm in a very deep bullpen, uh, I don't necessarily see a match being that, uh, that quick. I mean, do you think it's in the Mets' best interest at this point? Just kind of write it out, let him play the year, contract the year, could put up big numbers. Would you keep him? Uh, well, I'm torn on that because I really like Conforto. Right. And I want Conforto to play uh, as much as possible. 
I don't know necessarily how you do that without trading him, but at the same time, would you like 260, 30, and 95? Yeah, I'd love 260, 30, and 95 if I'm a Met person. Um, that's a really hard question. I think that, that you have to look back at what his track record is, and his track record is streakiness. So at some point, this is going to go cold, and it's almost like you want to sell high, uh, and you hope that in June or July he's still high so that you can get something pretty good for him. And, you know, switching gears back to Conforto now, I mean, how have you felt so far of how they've handled him this early on in the season? <sighs> I, I would like to see him playing more. Uh, he he gives you a good feeling uh, pretty much pretty much every time he comes to the plate, you think he's going to at least have a good at-bat uh, just from watching him hit. It's, it's almost like it's a surprise when he strikes out or it's a surprise when he chases the pitch badly. Uh, this is the same thing that we saw last April, and then it completely fizzled. Uh, so I would say play him more. I don't necessarily know where you do that because you, and, unless you're you're totally sold on the idea of Granderson being useless through 15 games, uh, I don't think you can give up on Conforto. I think you got you're you're playing him a couple of times a week and you're dealing with it at this point. And he's done a great job in the spot starts he's had, pinch hitting role. He's looked pretty good so far. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like as I said, he's. You think that every time he comes up, you think that something good's going to happen. He's not. It's not like, it's not quite the same. But I like when I was a kid. If you watched like Keith Hernandez or Olerud or someone of that ilk, like he he's not necessarily there, but he has he has moments where he has really good at bats where you're just like positive something's good's going to happen where he's going to get a hit. Sure. Uh, yeah. Kind of like this gets a little bit. And how do you feel about him handling center field? Uh, um, I think you, uh, I don't think he'll do anything stupid or reckless. I just wonder that he'll have a few moments where his inexperience will show, like he'll throw to the wrong base or something will happen. I think he could do it. I uh, I don't know necessarily that 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 that. Well, I think that that could cost them a game or two within like specific isolated moments that would make me a little nervous. All right, and as you said, you know, he's been getting most spots when Granderson sits at this point and handling center field and also batting in that leadoff position, which is, you know, it's been really the biggest struggle for this team so far this year is getting someone going in the top of that lineup. How do you feel yeah, about him he's, at the top? He, he's not a terrible option there given the options, like the choices that they have. I don't know necessarily where else you're going to, I mean, where else are you going to go? If, if Reyes isn't hitting, you kind of have to, you have to take a guy who's capable of being like a 350, 360 on base guy and put him at the top and he can do damage and he can, uh, he can do a lot of things that get the offense going in a big way. So I don't, I, I don't object. He's 24. His legs are fairly fresh. Even if he's not a fast guy, uh, I would, I, I don't object to him being at the top of the lineup. I agree. I mean, nice team get walks every now and then he's very patient at the plate, sweet swing. I like him at the top of the lineup. Yeah, I I think that it's a good match at this point. Right. Uh, I mean, he's, it's tw- it's twenty one at bats, twenty seven plate appearances, mm-hmm. three seventy OBP. I mean, if you're the Mets, sign me up. That's that's yeah. fantastic. That's what you're looking for. I move over to the pitching staff real quick. You know, obviously Gazelman struggled a little bit early on. How do you feel about Gazelman going into this year now, in more of a full time role? All right, I, I think you, you can't judge him until you've seen seven or eight starts. I don't want to make a snap decision on him. It's possible that the league's picked him up a little bit, but uh, he has a good sinker. He should, in theory, be able to keep the ball down, even though he's given up the two. He's given up more home runs already in 
10 and two thirds right. and he gave a 44 and two thirds last year. That could have just been a fluke. Uh, I still like him. I like, he might also be a, uh, a wind up being a bullpen solution at some point, certainly if uh, Matt's comes back. Uh, and that would, I think he could be pretty good in that role because if you look at, uh, there are a couple of teams out there now, the Astros are probably the prime example of it where they take like a guy who's a starting pitcher, like a Davinsky, uh, and they put him in the bullpen and he, he might pitch two or three innings and then you might not see him again for like three days, but he gives you two scoreless and he's untouchable. Uh, there's, as I said, there's a couple of teams like that. Maybe Gasselman becomes that guy. Uh, I don't know. He's of all the possibilities between him, Montero, Lugo, uh, and whoever they've got in AAA. I think he's the most likely uh, of the people that could do that. All right, and you know, kind of also alluding to that fact, because Gasselman maybe being that bridge between you know sixth, seventh inning guy. You have a mm-hmm. guy like Zach Wheeler, who's you know struggling to get out of the fifth, sixth inning at this point. It is, of course, early on, but he has actually come out and said over the last few days that his body's having trouble adjusting so far. Still, um, yep. he's getting tired. It runs sixty to seventy pitches. He stated. Yeah, you know that that shouldn't be surprising, given he hasn't pitched in two years, sure. right? Uh, like I, I think it's going to be an up and down year. I know I've heard Darlene Hernandez talk about this a bunch of times that you're going to have to just live with the the really good moments, and then you're going to have to live with the bad moments. And if you remember, like what I saw last night reminded me of Zach Wheeler in thirteen or fourteen, except that he gave up three runs instead of one. Right. Uh, so maybe it's a good sign that he only gave up one. But he's a guy who takes a lot of pitches to get through uh, to get through innings, and I don't think that that's necessarily something that's going to be fixed uh, right away. All right, and switch gears to the two guys that are on the side right now, Seth Lugo, Stephen Matz. We hear they're going to start throwing again Wednesday. What are you expecting from these two at this point? Are you expecting to see Seth Lugo at all this year, or you think you might end up opting for surgery? I don't know. Like that, I guess that's between him and his doctors. Uh, I I would hope that he comes back, but like you saw, Garrett Richards on the Angels, I think had a had an arm injury, and he did the plasma protein uh, treatment and in like his first start he got hurt so there are no guarantees with that it's it's a very uh, iffy situation I think Seth Lugo's best role is probably in the bullpen throwing 95 96 97 and uh, filling in as a starter if they need a guy three or four times during the season I think even though he made it to the championship game of the world baseball classic and he pitched well the first time against the United States he threw a lot of fat pitches uh, in the start that he didn't get hit hard uh that uh he threw again in the second start and did get hit hard and i'm not convinced that he is necessarily what he was last year uh so i would be a little skeptical Stephen Matz is just supremely fragile and it's very frustrating and i hope that someday he overcomes his fragility and if he does i think you see for 30 starts he's going to be would be someone who could give you 20 to 25 really good ones uh, but I don't know that he's ever going to be able to overcome that because it seems like he can't make five in a row without uh, getting hurt in some way. Yeah, and it's sad to see because I mean, when he's in there, he looks great at times. And yep. you know, how do you take the kind of the back and forth between the organization and Matt as far as what's wrong with him? <sighs> I don't know. Like it just seems like his maybe it's his body isn't a good fit for throwing the baseball regularly with the kind of snap that he does when he throws his breaking pitches, because that seems to be uh, what hurts him at certain points. I, I I don't know if you tell him to add some muscle or weight or whatever. Maybe the Syndergaard program that added 20 pounds 
is uh, what he needed, but he doesn't look like uh, someone who's going to be a bulky person. Um, that's tricky. Like, I think if you're if you're the Mets, you're just hoping that uh, he comes back, and even if he's in a, a little ineffective, that he can give you 10 or 12 starts in a row as opposed to five and being done. Right. And back to Lugo real quick. I mean, we hear all the you know, chatter about the World Baseball Classic possibly having an effect on these pitchers. How do you feel about that? Do you really see a big correlation between that? I've said a lot of I don't knows on this. Um, <laughs> I'm I would say leaning I don't know, but then I see all right Lugo got hurt, and you had the guy in the Rangers, the reliever who pitched six perfect innings in the World Baseball Classic. Dyson uh, has looked terrible so right. far. Um, I guess it's like I would think it does. It's of some concern, but I don't know that it's of. Uh, total like uh, I wouldn't stop someone from playing the World Baseball Classic just because Seth Lugo and Sam Dyson weren't good or were or got injured and Dyson's injury was on a ball hit back to him. Um, I I don't think that it's necessarily there. I think it could be a little bit, but I don't think it's something where it's a huge thing. All right, Mark. Mark, we really appreciate you coming on today, giving us some insight on the New York Mets. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast again. Thank you to Mark Simon of ESPN for taking a couple minutes of his time to join us this week. So uh, let's take a look at the road ahead for the Mets. Uh, obviously, they will wrap up their series against Philadelphia Phillies tonight. As you have Noah Syndergaard on the mound. He'll be opposed by Aaron Nola of the Phillies. But then the main event begins. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The Mets welcome in the Washington Nationals for a weekend series. And uh, we've got some pretty good pitching matchups. Right now, things are scheduled to kick off on Friday at 7-10 with Jacob DeGrom taking the matter for the Mets. And he will be opposed by Tanner Roark of the Washington Nationals. Saturday, 4-05 game. Matt Harvey looks for win number three. He'll be opposed by Gio Gonzalez of the Washington Nationals. And then, yep, we're already back. Sunday Night Baseball, 8 o'clock. Mets Nationals, Zach Wheeler, Max Scherzer. So, look, yes, that's early in the season, but we all know just how important these games are against the Nationals. Every game counts. You know, you love to say, hey, it's April, it doesn't matter, but you know, these divisional games against the team that you know you could be battling for first place come September, they're big. And uh, after this, after Washington, the Mets will have Atlanta in, and then they'll actually travel out to Washington the following weekend. So we're going to see a lot of Mets Nationals over the next week here. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some good games here, but the Mets, uh, you want to take care of business, get two out of three. Set a president and uh, get going. <laughs> Overall, though, hopefully the little stretch we saw the past week is behind us. And there's not much more to worry about. Get that game today. Take the series in Philadelphia and then really focus on this weekend series against the Washington Nationals. All that said, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed our episode. And uh, we hope you have a good week. Again, follow us on social media, Twitter, at AmazingMetsCast. 
as we'll do most of our stuff. And I've got some good stuff coming in the next few weeks. A couple contests as well that we'll be announcing on the Twitter page. And uh, maybe some surprise guests. Former New York Mets. I think you'll enjoy. More news to come as we get it. We'll release that on Twitter as soon as we can. Uh, if you guys want to get in contact with us, Twitter is the best way. If anything you'd like to see on the show or have any suggestions, give us a shout. Any questions you want answered on the show, same thing. Twitter would be the way to go. Otherwise, though, thanks for joining us. Have a good week. <laughs>